by the way. Harry High Pants over here. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> they're just very up. They're, are they above your belly button? Yeah, they're wasties. Now I'm self-conscious. No, don't be self-conscious. Oh, you look too great. late. No, you look great. <laughs> you just came at me with like a fucking... <laughs> a gun. <laughs> like Professor aimed at X. My, aimed at my like belly Professor button. Rex in this comic. Welcome to Pressing Issues. Hello. Hello, everyone. What's going on? I'm Rowan. I'm Joe. And welcome to our final episode in our first miniseries. So this is the final episode of our origins and entry points. Oranges and... Eating places. Yep. That was bad. No, that was funny. That was bad. Um, we were on fire like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. And then the minute we hit record, it's always like... Yeah, we had some real snappy dialogue, um, yeah, we had, they, which is uh, relevant to what we'll be discussing today. True. That's, a, brought that's up. a calm segue for you. Exactly. Um, so, let's just do a little recap. Uh, what is the what has the miniseries been about so far? Oh, let's, the let's podcast let's, recap. Podcast recap. Um, so, well, it started when Joe and I were talking one day. Okay, I didn't mean that far back, but okay. <laughs> Funny bit. Bits. Uh, uh, so, origins and entry points. We have talked about DC first. We talked about Superman. We talked about Wonder Woman and Batman. And those were all pretty clean cut origin stories. So, they were like, if you know nothing about this character, you can go straight in. Um, and then we headed over across town to Marvel. We left the distinguished competition mm -hmm. to the world outside your window. Exactly. That's my my ongoing bit. It is a good bit. Yeah. And we checked in with the fam the first family. We checked in with Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. We saw what they were going on, what was happening. Good stuff. And we kind of started to err more into the idea of entry points rather than origins because Marvel has such a long and kind of continuous... Continuity. Yeah, Earth 616. Or yeah. 616. Well, I heard now, someone say that the other day. But but now it is all, 616. But what is 616 now? Because Oh, man, that made me mad. It made me mad as well. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know that Rowan and I just had a discussion <laughs> completely devoid of any words. Any context. Any context. Any real we're talking, words. <laughs> we're talking about the recent um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, where it was revealed that the MCU is now Earth 616. Yeah, when they Which said is that. Super dumb! <laughs> when they Just said that. Like <laughs> and I was sitting in the cinema in my seat with pods on one side and uh, some sour confectionery on the other. Not popcorn? No, I went straight into the lollies. You're not a popcorn. Uh, sometimes I am. I don't know. I just wasn't vibing it. I just saw those I pods. I genuinely cannot go to the movies without popcorn. It was pods and it was raspberry licorice. Because whenever I see yeah. that shit, I'm like, yeah, that could go down But do you know what's funny about raspberry licorice? You were, like, I'm always like, yeah, I want some of that. Then I eat like three of them. I was like. I ate like all, one. That's all I wanted. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Like, I just wanted a taste. <laughs> but I was sitting there and they said, uh, Earth 616. And then I immediately went, oh. Oh. I loudly groaned. <laughs> To the point I was where like, I, I thought I this was like, uh, I remember <laughs> there is a, there was a Marvel wiki designate. It was like, uh, yeah, yeah, we talked about it. in C something, something, something. It's one of the really long numbers, but I guess it's like, it's not anymore. It's no, six one six. But what is that? Anyway, Don't, yeah. that, that is that's some, some Marvel comics bullshit. It's some Marvel comics bullshit, but it's also <laughs> just so indicative of like Marvel being like the MCU now is the only thing that matters. Yeah, and like, because I guess it could like. You could see it as just a little 
kind of um, Easter egg. But then, you know, around the world, everyone was like, what? <laughs> Every Marvel writer that watched it was like, wait, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Is my continuity? <laughs> Is my contribution no longer in continuity? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, Earth, we don't know what they've actually designated main Marvel continuity now. So who knows? I, well, I think it's just 616. It doesn't matter. They can't both be 616. Yeah. Sense. I know. If you fucking think about it. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> wow. Sometimes I'm genuinely like, like, I know this is a nerd shit podcast, but we, we go like, deep. I think we, I astound even me sometimes. Oh yeah. But it's, um, it's all good content. It is. And also I just remembered that like, I can't even remember what we're talking about. <laughs> no, fuck, who cares? Um, but like, I sometimes think that and for the listeners as well this is an important thing to know like i know more about comics than the average person yeah and that's not a brag that's and a bad thing it's a bad thing <laughs> you eclipse me by like a thousand fold like what you know that i don't know i'm like sometimes you say things and i'll be like what <laughs> <laughs> and they like they just pop up in my head during the day as well and then you message me <laughs> these like weird I- non sequiturs about like I'll be at work during the day, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, Mae Parker, the alternate universe uh, daughter of um, Mary, Jane, Ma- and Mary Jane and Peter, yeah. And then I'll be like, <laughs> I, I, like should be ending the roast at work. Coffee, that is. And I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> and I'll just speed right past the end point being like, yeah, Mae Parker, what's she up to? <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what's she up to? She was just in, they did um, like an off-continuity run a couple of years ago. Called Renew Your Vows, yeah, which is all about them. I'm glad you actually actually answered that uh, <laughs> rhetorical Extreme question. Rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why we're friends. Um, so yeah, yeah, we were talking about Mar- Marvel is one big long running thing. The six on six, anyway. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. So that's that's why it's an entry point because they don't hit reset as much as DC. No, and then so we had we had the Fantastic Four, and they, we think like that was a pretty good clean entry point. It gave a lot of context. Yeah, there's not a, like there's not a heap to kind of remember and try to catch up with. Then yeah. we moved on to Avengers. Little bit more thorny in terms of its continuity just because it's a rotating roster of characters. Yeah. Well, the Fantastic Four are mainly like 90% just the same four people. Yeah, except for times when one of them dies. Um, sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. But, and then, yeah, so Avengers, we had to kind of deal with this idea of how do you kind of provide an entry point in for readers when you don't have a solid roster. You don't have characters that are going to guaranteed to be there. And it's kind of looking more at the thesis of the team rather than individual characters. Totally. But now we're talking about the uncanny X-Men. Yeah. um, Who are character-centric. They are. Can I just say, though? Shoot. Probably the least accessible entry points. (laughs) No, I think they are. I think new X-Men is the least accessible entry point into a comic that I've ever read. I disagree. I think Giant Size is... is spoilers for what we're going to talk about today. Um, I think they... Sorry, you go. I just completely... No, you go right ahead, because I think I was just going to say my point again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they are both good entry points for different things. Different aspects of what the X-Men can be. Okay, well, let's leave that as the kind of That's gonna... overarching... Yeah feud between That's us. That's the sort of Damocles, but of the X-Men. Yeah. I, I don't know what that means, but... 
sword hanging sure. over your head. That's really oh, okay. telling. Great. Smart stuff. Yeah. I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> this so yeah. is a this is a complete uh, this is a complete tangent. But yes, <laughs> yes. But the other day, I love it. I love a tangent <laughs> that gets announced. My, <laughs> I was talking with my brother and sister, and my brother because he's doing a masters. Hey. He's teaching at the moment. Uh, he dropped a reference to uh, fucking. No, I can't think Just of masters it. stuff. What's what's the cat that's there and not there? Schrodinger. He, he said something about Schrodinger's cat, like to sound smart. And my sister was like, "What's Schrodinger's cat?" And I was like, "It doesn't matter." <laughs> <laughs> he just said that to sound smart. Yeah. That's right, Bryce. Um, he's coming for you. <laughs> sorry, Bryce. You probably listened to this. I think you're great. You're probably one of our like six listeners. <laughs> Actually, one of my friends who listens uh, messaged me the other day when we were um, when the Fantastic Four episode got dropped mm. and he was like oh i really enjoyed your um your conversation about doctor strange and i was knowing full well we had just recorded our avengers episode where yeah, i think we, we dragged it. it i was like sorry for the next one <laughs> so yeah sorry kevin um, sorry kevin thanks for listening yeah but yeah we're talking about x-men today and the best my favorites well that's actually this is something different i want to kind of get into yeah go off I, I meant that in an endearing know, way. You just, I'm you, sorry, because I've been really high energy. I'm trying to pair you, myself down a bit. You did it as you folded your arms, and it was such a cool <laughs> thing to do. Um, where where did your relationship with X-Men begin? Oh. What's 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 the deal with Rowan and X-Men? You know it was X1, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> Me too! Yeah, um, that was one that my good... My oldest friend, Matthew, uh, if you're what listening... Are you shouting at everyone Yeah, today? love the listeners, love the friends, love the supporters, uh, feeling the love. We love Cohen. Love Cohen. Um, he's he's a real one. Um, anyway. but but Matt, when I was like, I want to say I was in like year five, mm. who was my edgy friend who showed me things like the Matrix. Uh, no, you would have been younger than that. It came out in one. This this no, but like this was I only watched it after it oh. came out, not in cinemas. Because you were too young to see it in cinemas. Yes, because you were a baby. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's okay. Yeah, so your edgy friend, Matt. Um, and yeah, and he was like, oh, you know, superheroes. Get- <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> At this stage, I was like, in theory, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's an abstract concept, <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, and he's like, get a load of this. And we watched X-Men 1 and I was like, this is the best shit ever. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched 2 and 3 and, uh, you know, I still liked 3 because I was too young to grapple with bad movies. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I went and saw three. I think three was one of the first ones that I saw that I was like, "Is like, can a movie be bad? Like, is that allowed?" <laughs> and there were so many bits in it that I was like, "Oh, the Juggernaut! Look, yeah. look at him go and say, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch!'" Yeah, his classic. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Whoa, man!" Um, I'm a, I'm in primary school. Well, then where did you go from there? Like, where? At what point did you kind of get into the comics then? Uh, I think they were that from there until probably like the first comic I read, I was always like wiki adjacent where I was looking yeah. up, I would just look up like what a character was up to and spend days on a wiki page. And then I think I dropped this last episode, but the first comic I read was Deadpool and Cable, which is like, it's like, you want to start in the X-Men? You jump right into the fucking Mariana Trench. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> It's like basically a satire of 
X-Men yeah, comics. N- not only that, but King's Comics only had volume two. <laughs> so I started halfway through the run. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this rules. <laughs> yeah, again, because you're too young to be like, is, can something be weird or like, do yeah, I yeah. need context for things? Yeah, uh, I guess context for listeners, uh, you know Deadpool, I don't need to explain that. Uh, but Cable is... Yeah, go on, try to explain Cable right Scott now. Scott Summer and Jean Grey's clone's son who got t- uh, taken into the future because he had a technological virus that was going to kill him if he was a little kid and they didn't have the technology to heal him in the present, so they took him into the future, a thousand years into the future, where he became the messiah of the mutant race and it was destined to challenge Apocalypse, so they took him back finally and he came back as the mutant soldier Cable and he established the team at X-Force with the old new mutants and uh, the rest is history, baby. <laughs> that was incredible. Uh, that's Did excellent. Did you see Cohen's face during that? No. There was a look of genuine, like, both shock, awe, and, like, a little bit of disgust. Like, it was like... <laughs> like, that's it. But no, oh, that's wh- absolutely, like, everything... That's what you, X-Men is. Everything you just said, I was about to say, is, like, that's such X-Men... Shit. Yeah. And it's exactly why we love them. There's uh, there's soap opera in there. There's time travel. Yeah. There's alternate dimensions. There's sci-fi shit. There's alien shit. There's techno-organic viruses. Apocalypse is always Apocalypse there. Apocalypse is always there. Messiahs is always there. This kind of, like, constant going back to almost religious-esque yeah. figures within the- um, Eugenics. Eugenics. Um, yeah, it's all there, and that's kind of why- That's the whole deal. Yeah. I- um, X-Men kind of tackles everything. And then it's like, oh, also, we're a stand-in for minorities. Yeah. Which is... Sure. <laughs> Which I think, yeah, I think at the time was quite, like, um, y- you know, quite groundbreaking for what it is. Yeah. But then as like, I think the metaphor for it kind of... It falls short because they're still mostly white. Yeah. And cis and male. Like, yeah, and there's only so far that like someone like Stan Lee can push that yeah. and still be like know what he's talking about. Well, I, I know like a whole people ignore like reference the fact that Xavier and Magneto were kind of sort of meant to be analogues of um, Martin Luther Ma- King and Martin Luther uh, King and, Mal- and, and Malcolm X, X which yeah. is which we're not going to touch. They're not. We're not going to touch that with <laughs> a ten foot pole. Yeah. Um. But yeah, what's um? What, what about you? You had the same kind of entry point with the X Men. Mine was definitely the movie. It's one of the in a in a real me fashion. The three movies that I remember going to the cinema and seeing when I was a kid mm. was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, X Men One, and Spider Man. Because Good. also that happened in um. Two out of three ain't bad. Span of uh, span of hey, ooh. Phantom Menace not bad, <laughs> not great. Not bad. It's fine. But they, um, because I was just at the age when, like, I think I was, like, nine. Yeah, it would have been, like, eight or nine when Phantom Menace came out and then going into that. So I was ten when X-Men came out and so I was able to go. And I was just like, this might be the greatest thing ever committed to film. <laughs> I've seen four movies and this is the best This is one. the best one. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, that's probably right. Yeah. And then- <laughs> That movie still holds up. Oh, it's so good. Um- and then I kind of didn't have any engagement with them. Because like, I dropped off comics for ages and then got really into them when I was 
like 19. Mm. And when I did, I got really into um, Messiah Complex. Mm. And that. A pretty good era. Yeah. That, For X Men. Totally. I think, like, it's a, just a fun kind of. It It was kind of X Men at that point when they felt the. the the roster was really full. They were spread out a lot of a lot across a lot of books. Yeah, feels like a culture. Yeah, yeah, and rather and, than a team. Yeah, and so I then from there I was like, X Men are great, and I I always just keep forgetting I have an X Men tattoo on my ankle as well. Give us a show. It's just I'm wearing a lot. I can't remember which side it's on, but it's, uh, it's the Batman one. Um, talk amongst yourselves really quickly. It's pretty bad, actually. This is bad for an audio medium, but there you go. Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's a red outline with black uh, inlays. Sure, it's just the X. <laughs> it's really, really, really shit. It's um, good. but yeah, and then since then I've kind of like they've just kind of remained one of the. They're always the most interesting. Yeah, even when they're bad. Yeah, but I just think it's so funny. Like which which Disney was trying to tell us they were bad for about five years there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Through the comics, you say? Yeah. 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 We'll get into that in a minute. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, my kind of movie corner for a second is that, like... Welcome for, to Joe's Movie Corner. This is Joe's Movie Corner. But for a property that has so much going on for it and so many... Like, you just, we just listed all those themes that it can kind of come across. Mm. They just never knew how to... They never knew how to fully step in and go all in with the with it for the movies. Like, the yeah. first two are really good, but I think they they work almost because they are just so wholly their own thing. Yeah. And then... I would agree with that. And then the later ones just kind of get more and more. They get they get kind of expanded and convoluted, but not in this way that kind of embraces the quirkiness and the expansiveness of the actual source material. Yeah. Um, but anyway... So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, like, I realised this whole time that we've been talking about comics in over the last five episodes, mm. we haven't talked about, like, <laughs> how we each kind of came to oh, I mean, property. there's so many. It's like a fucking, like, eight-pronged attack, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> where I've come into it from so many different ways. Yeah. But I would say X-Men is the primary way. But then there's, like, manga and other bullshit as well. But I also think, like, X-Men for me is kind of the... The way that I got then got kind of into comics. It was yeah. that and Spider Man. Yeah. Were the two kind of. Because I, I also was reading Ultimate Spider Man and Ultimate X Men. Mm. I haven't read Ultimate X Men. Um, I think for you, don't. Yeah, I kind of agree. I don't think you'll get any joy out of reading that comic book. <laughs> I remember there was a period where I would think about like an X Men character and be like, oh, do they have an Ultimate version? They do. And looking up uh, Mr. Sinister. And, ooh. Yeah. That's a bad take. But he's also your favourite. He's he's, like he's the favorite. best X-Men. He's the best X-Men villain. Um, I read an article about it on Shelf Dust. Look it up. It's good. Oh, you do too. We'll put the link of it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that means we decided to do some X-Men comics. So what are we doing? Uh, so the, the old comic that we're doing first is uh, Giant Size X-Men number one, released in 1975, written by... I guess we'll do all the credits now. So we can speed into it later. Uh, written by Len Wein. Uh, Dave Cockrum is the illustrator, but he's also listed as like a co-creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coloured by Glynis Wine- Wein. Yeah. I assume is Len Wein's partner. First, first wife. Oh. 
Interesting. Mm. You've done some research. I have. I wrote a wiki. (laughs) And uh, lettered by John Costanza. And then the latter comic we'll be talking about... uh, New X-Men. New X-Men. Do you have the credits? I don't. Okay, well, I'll list them off. I've got the first two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is um, my person. Grant Morrison writing. uh, Frank Quietly penciling. uh, Inked by Tim Townsend. Coloured by Brian Haberlin. Lettered by Sadar Temafont. Temafonte? I don't know. Sadar, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Seems unlikely. <laughs> and that was released in 2001. Yeah. So much earlier than I thought. Um, yeah, I thought this was like 03. But it's this is a four-year run. This is a 43-issue run that yeah. Grant Morrison is kind of just like, yeah, it well, happened. This, this came out the same time. This came out in um, conjunction with the movie. Yeah. Because, and that's why there's a, we'll get into it, but that's why there's such a big, um... Visual influence. Visual change. Yeah, for sure. And a big kind of, not thematic change, but a big kind of, like, uh, a shift away from calling them superheroes. Yeah. A shift into kind of more of a a complicated team dynamic of of misfits. And, like, even as we were talking earlier, like, more of a culture as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, let's get into the first one. Okay. Um, Straight off the top, good comic. Yeah. I think a little bit of context about this comic yeah. is that the X-Men comics had been dark for five years prior to this comic. They'd been doing nothing but release reprints um, due to low sales and kind of yeah. the beginnings of their convoluted uh, continuity was starting to get in their way a little bit. Um, readers at the time were like... Mm. Readers were like, I don't understand. No. Um that was the original team of Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, and Angel. Yeah. It's a good team. But yeah. That, like... And then Polaris came and Havoc came and uh, Banshee was there for a little bit. Banshee was there for a little bit and someone else was there for a little bit as well, but I can't remember. Anyway. But anyway, so this comic, it... That chucks all that That chucks all much that out <laughs> the window. So yeah. they knew... Marvel knew... Marvel knew they had to kind of come in, they had to reinvent, but, like, how do you reinvent, especially at a time when, you know, people are hungry for new characters, they're hungry for, you know, this is the 70s, so it's the... It's post-war. It's post-war. Is this Silver Age? Bronze Age. This is Bronze Age. I'm not smart. Um, I don't think that classifies as smart. <laughs> but, yeah, so Marvel were like, let's create some new characters. Yeah. And... This comic opens with um, new characters. New characters. It opens with one of my favorite characters, Kurt Wagner. Hey, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. The fuzzy blue elf. Yeah, and so just like he's not fuzzy in the movies. He's yeah, no, he's no, he's more he's scarred in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, played by Alan Cumming in the second one. He's sad. In a genuinely heartbreaking performance. Yep, he's real sad. And then played by Cody Kit McPhee. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Holy in, shit. In the second Lord. He's in two of the movies and he says maybe six words oh, and boy. I don't remember him at all. Um, so you want to run down the cast? Yeah. So we've got Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler. We've got Peter Rasputin, Colossus. We have Logan. Um, what's his last name? Doesn't have another one. He's James Howlett. But yeah, but as Logan, Logan he doesn't, doesn't have, have it. One? No, he's just Logan. He's oh. always... In, and in the new X-Men, he's referenced on the, like, roster as Logan. Logan. Oh, we'll get into that. I love those rosters. Um, and then we've got Banshee's back. Oh, yeah. Uh, Daddy. Then we have Storm. We have Aurora Monroe, a Storm. Yep. And we have... 
Sunfire. Oh, he loves Sunfire. He loves Sunfire. He's so angry. Yes. Um, and that's everyone. And Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Yes, that's right. Um, in a in a, in a in a in a kind of depiction that I'm trying to figure out is like it's not great. If is is it Thunderbird super racist? is it, it's not super racist, but it's like an essentialized version of a Native American yeah. character. Totally, like his opening, his introduction in the comic is him wrestling a um a buffalo, yeah. to the ground, yeah, and then Doc. Uh, Professor X comes and he's like, I need your help. And he's like, out of here. Get out of here, Whitey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically the concept of this book is so that- it's, like, it's like good intentions. Good intentions, yeah. The concept of this book is in the first kind of eight pages, and this is like an absolute masterclass in kind of compressed storytelling. And, and like introducing intro- heaps of characters. Yeah, character yeah. introductions. Is that Professor X is going around and he's searching for new mutants to- create a new team of X-Men. So he goes to all these places. Goes to different countries around the world. Different countries around the world, and everyone gets a little kind of snippet of their power set. Yeah. So, you know, Peter Rasputin turns into his Colossus form. Yeah. Um, Sunfire. Sa- saving his sister, sister from a tractor. Yeah. Because he's uh he's on the he's in Soviet Russia. He's in Soviet Russia. And then they kind of gather them all. They he takes Logan from um Oh from the Canadian government. The Canadian government. That that is a good bit where uh, the government's like, "We own no, you." Yeah, we own you, and he's like, "Own this." Yeah, and, like sticks a claw Snicked. in his face. Um, good shit, and and that's good. That's like yeah. fully realized character storytelling from I'm panel actually, one. I'm, I'm going to just race because this plot is insanely simple. Yeah, and is I this think, one I, issue? I think there's more to talk about with this in terms of like characterizations and okay. character introductions. So, okay, I'll let, the, I'll let you speed through. racing through the plot really quickly. They go, Scott Summers says they that they travelled to, a, him and the old X-Men travelled to a, an island. To, Krakoa. To Krakoa to see a new mutant discovery. Uh, they all got captured. Scott got sent back. Uh, and so then the new X-Men go, they battle Krakoa. They Who's find Krakoa the mutant island Kr- yeah. that walks like a man? That walks like a man. Yep. Um, and they battle the island. They save the other X-Men. And then that's the end of it. And it's genuinely like that's that's the whole plot. Yeah. yeah. This whole comic is just character introduction and kind of characterization. And character interaction. And interaction. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like that's there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Like the plot's so slim because there's no fat on it. Like Yeah. And it kind of needs to be slim to yeah. introduce these characters, which is really smart storytelling. It is. And it's also incredible that... You know, this was Wolverine's second ever appearance. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's fully formed. He's fully formed. I He doesn't say bub, but that's fine. He basically can't, says bub without saying it. Yeah. It's, that's, and, because I read this and I was like, I was like, I was like, when, 75, I was like, when did Wolverine come in? And I was like, oh, and I did a little bit of reading. I was like, oh, he came in the year prior. Yeah. Um, in a Hulk comic? In a Hulk comic, in two Hulk comics, I think. The end of one and the, and the whole thing of another. Yeah, where he fights the Wendigo. Yep. And he's got his, like, mask that has kind of the... Um, Looks like a little kitty whiskers. cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he comes in here with a new redesign. Yeah. Um, they all get a they all get fresh costume. Nazi suits. So Made only- of unstable molecules. I'm all, i got to drop every reference. Yeah. The absolutely. readers need to know. The they listeners need to know. Need to know. Um, but... Just my, like, astonishment at kind of how fully formed Wolverine is in this mm. was then overshadowed by my astonishment about how fully formed all these characters seem, mm-hmm. considering that this is their introduction. And these are characters that, like, 
it's hard to imagine the X-Men without. Yeah. This Storm is-, is in full goddess mode. Yeah. Um, Sunfire. Sunfire. <laughs> I wasn't actually thinking about Sunfire. Just then. <laughs> I am, you're a Sunfire apologist. Now um, I am. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. But then, like... Uh, Peter, Peter, Peter Colossus. Oh, I love Colossus. He's great. He's like protector mode, like, but he's like sweet and young and innocent still. And Kurt, and this is also kind of their first. This is this is like Marvel's first foray into creating a mutant that looks who who's part like yeah is who, a visible mutant. Yeah. So with Kurt and who's persecuted based on their, their appearance. Look. Yeah. Because one of the things that I think is always so hard to try and wrap your head around is that in a world where um this and this is the the like the lukewarmest of takes but you know that like there's a world in which Spider-Man swings from buildings and Captain America and you know all this stuff and superheroes everywhere but then this select few of superheroes who just happen to be born that way mm. are persecuted and especially cuz when you look at the early the original kind of um roster they all just look like superheroes they all just look like superheroes you've got one who has wing like they're they're, they're a little more physical in terms of their their power sets. Yeah, more action base. Like they they are designed to be superheroes. Yeah, and so this was the first this and opening this with Kurt Wagner getting. Yeah, he's attacked. the first one introduced actually in it's, Germany. Yeah, a little town in Germany. Little town in Germany where they're trying to burn him down because they think he's the devil. Yep. Um, and he's quite aggressive. Towards yeah. them, I'm like, like, fair enough, but like, yeah, I was like, go off, Kurt. Yeah, like Kurt Nightcrawler in like kind of later comics is more of a yeah, like total pacifist. Pacifist, he's like kind of chivalrous, like swashbuckling, like fun. He's an adventurer. But this him is and, like him and, him and Colossus have a great relationship. And- yeah, but this is yeah very proto, and and it makes sense. Like this is him early in his character development, where he's mm. like, these guys are trying to kill me. I'm gonna fight them back. Yeah. Because he, he tries to run away and he's try and then they then he realizes that they're gonna burn the whole village down. Yeah, yeah. With him just to get to him, and he's like, "Well, okay." But <laughs> That's yeah. a bit much. <laughs> so basically, the first six pages are all just character introduction. Yeah, with <laughs> Professor Xavier kind of like wheeling into every yeah, panel, just kind of like, like, "Hello, <laughs> hello, I need you." And they're <laughs> yeah. like, "Okay." Good and then, stuff. yeah, like you said, this is like kind of like Wolverine can say "bub" without saying "bub." Yeah. And we've got his kind of like early, early interactions with Scott Summers and their kind yeah. of like vaguely antagonistic kind of relationship. He's already like calling him by like Summers or yeah. Slim, I Slim. think. Oh, yeah. Slim. Good stuff. But it's like, there's not really. I'm just trying to think of other stuff to dig into with this one because it's. It's so much setting the mold rather than trying to manipulate anything that's there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is clearing the way. So, you, like you said before we started, this is what Cockerel and Ween do here. Cockerum. Cockerum, sorry. Do here is basically they, they set up a platter that Chris Claremont then just takes. Yeah. And runs with for the next... 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. For for listeners, um, the one of the biggest superhero runs is about to be like started next issue by Chris Claremont who basically defines the X-Men for the next 16 years. Yeah. Like two generations of readers. Yeah. So um, Ween and Cockrum um, have story credits on the next I think three issues. Yeah, yeah. I was reading that. scripted by Claremont. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like 
this is so much, this is an absolutely, when we talk about entry points, this is it. Like, this is not a redefining of any characters. This is not, this is a complete reintroduction into a, into a, a world we know with new characters that are already so lovable and already so kind of. Yeah. But, I mean, there are nods for, like, the, what, like, five people that were still reading X-Men at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Scott Summers coming back and being, like, he he's, like, an adult by this point. I, I want to say he's, like, in his early 20s. Well, not by the way he's drawn. Everyone in this comic looks like they're in their 50s. <laughs> Fair enough. There's a bit where I think Angel at the end says, like, he basically tells Scott to shut up. And I'm, yeah. like, and I'm, looking, I'm like, this guy's in his 50s. There's a couple of points. I, I, I think uh, Banshee is meant to be, like, around that age. But there is one where he just, like, one panel where he just looks, like, senile. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> Buddy, you got to get out of this superhero game. <laughs> Banshee does later become a bit of a daddy. He does. I will say that. Played by Caleb Landry-Jones in First Class. Yeah, not a daddy then, though. He's a no. young man. Young man. Um, <laughs> but what have you got to say? What, like, what, what, what was going through your head when you read this one? Uh, I think, like, all the... It's, it's good, especially for people who have a light background of who these characters are, it is a good way to see the... Well, yeah, it's like... An, and it's an origin point for all these characters and to hear the, like, the proto-versions of them. Yeah. And the way they interact all together as well. Like, you get that... The start of the, like, antic- antagonistic relationship between Wolverine and Cyclops, mm. which we'll talk about more in New X-Men. Yeah. And then you've got, like... Um, Storm, Storm and Colossus. Storm and Colossus and Colossus' willingness to just be like, I can just jump out of a plane. Yeah. And, you know, like... <laughs> Storm's like, no, don't. <laughs> yeah, and Storm's kind of... They, they have a good, like, brother-sister role yeah. that is pretty much formed by the end of this comic. But I just, like, I just don't think we've read a comic yet that has kind of hit it out of the park in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it's easy to see why this became such a, like, instant success after this. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking, I'm thinking back to the Avengers um, Return. Heroes Return. Heroes Return. Mm. And how long that, like, that comic was a long comic. Yeah. Um, three issues. It was three issues, but, uh, like, it, it was versus... In, in terms of content. In terms of content, it was yeah. long. Whereas, like, this, and not like this also skips on action. Like, the action in... Oh, the action's good. The Especially action when, when uh, Krakoa. Krakoa, the uh, mutant island that walks like a man. Yeah, the one that, yeah, he walks like a man. And he does walk like a man. He does, and, he do, and they do my favourite thing where they give him um, altered speech bubbles. Yeah. Oh, they're, crackly. They're, they're dripping with green, and I love it. Oh, yeah, but yeah, good shit. I just think this one, this comic has no fat. It has, like, it's incredibly lean, and it just, it gets to the point in a way that, like, we haven't seen other comics yet get there yeah um yeah i don't know i just don't know what else to like um i think it's like the art is also yeah dave cockram is like i see when i was i remember because i read this well after i kind of you know my origin story of i read deadpool and cable then i was like well i gotta read all of it (laughs) so i kind of went back and uh started at this point i probably read this when i was like 16 or 17 initially yeah and at that point, everyone was kind of saying, like, oh, the best X-Men story is Dark Phoenix Saga, which is the Mont, Chris, Chris Claremont and uh, John Byrne. Like who, five years later? 
Yeah, yeah, who we talked about in the Superman, Superman episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this this is, like, the one artist before John Byrne, and I'd yeah. always kind of written him off as, like, oh, you know, that it's not at John Byrne level yet. Yeah. Reading this, like, the visual action is so, like, fluid. It's, like, in, in a way that John Byrne's kind of, like, crisp and, like, su- more statuic superhero-esque, I yeah. guess, if that makes sense. Totally. Uh, this is more kind of free-flowing. The action is really, like, dynamic and fluid. And, and there's a great sense of scale Yeah, as well. Yeah, when Krakoa comes on the page. Yeah. He's mon- he is a big island that walks like a man. <laughs> um, there's some good monsters here. There's some crabs. There's some big crabs, yeah. Krakoa and crabs. Um, well, there's some rocks that attack yeah. <laughs> Rasputin. Yeah, um, Krakoa summons rocks. He does. Yeah. And something else... Who- Oh, I can't remember. Oh, some birds, because we get to see um, some mm. giant eagles attack Nightcrawler and Sunfire. Oh, yeah, and they're, they're having a rough time, because Sunfire is a real bitch. Yeah, he's a real pain in, <laughs> pain in the ass. <laughs> he's the, the Japanese entry of the team. Um, I, I think he's great. In the first panel that he's introduced, <laughs> Xavier's like, yelling at join Xavier. our team, and he's like, why would I join your team? Like, that sounds like a bad idea. And I think the very next page, he's like, I hate this team. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> no, the very next panel after, he's like, why would I not? Why would I join this team? The next panel is him being like, I think I better join the team. It's time for me to relearn who Sunfire is. And then the next page, he's like, this team is dumb. Yeah. And then the next page, he's back. And he was like, well, I thought I'd better check. That's right. He flies. Oh, Jesus. And um, then he like kind of quits again. But he's one of those characters that writers love to reclaim. Um, yeah. Every now and then. There was a run, I think few years ago um, that they were just like, yeah, Sunfire's back. And I remember reading having no idea who Sunfire was and I was like, what? <laughs> but do you, like, they're ro- like the X-Men have such a broad, deep roster that writers just pull... Uh, yeah. They do it with Avengers as well, but writers just pull and be like, I'm going to be the one that brings you know, yeah. this character back into the fold and like... But this is setting it up, right? Like this, like it's introducing Sunfire and like mm. Thunderbird and everyone and then dropping them straight away, but it implies a bigger world of mutants. Yeah. That building off that, you know, people can draw off. Which, had that been... Is that the first time that Marvel had kind of acknowledged that there were... Like, there was a world of mutants out there? No, I think that would be with like Quicksilver and Wanda. Yeah. That they were probably the first thing that because they they were mutants, but in Avengers. Yeah. Um. But this this is definitely like the quickest and fastest. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I, it's good. It's there's just so much less to chew on because it's just not like it's not a whole lot of subtext here. There's not a whole lot of things that it's like yeah. fucking with. It's just like here it is. Yeah. Here's your next seventeen years of comics. Yeah. Like. Have have it. Have it. are there. There's a good interaction between uh, Havoc's, Havoc. Ha- Havoc's costume is wild. His it's, like head thing is so big. It's dumb. And then he's also like, "I hate you, Scott." Yeah. He's like, "If you, if you take away this one girl, it's the only girl that I'll ever like." And Scott is like, "Scott's Shut like, up. I'm going to get Storm to hit her with a lightning bolt." <laughs> yeah, but it's also just like, it's got the soap opera there as well. Yeah, yeah, everything's there. It's he, he like it's except it's, cable, except cable. That's true. But yeah, I know this feels like I'm just kind of like trying to rush it, but it's just like I just don't have much else to kind of like. It's just all there. It's just this perfect yeah. little entity of a comic book. Yeah. Um, and it was so much fun. 
It is. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And everyone looked like they were 50 years old. <laughs> but it's cool. Which is like, but I like, and they're supposed to be, yeah, like, I think Scott Summers is supposed to be like 20. Yeah. He's supposed to have just kind of Cause in the, like, yeah. graduated. In the, like, the old team, he was like 15. Yeah, they're all babies. Yeah. Because they're a team of teenage mutants. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, so I guess fast forward 30 years? 26. 26 years. 75? 75 to 2001? Yeah, 26. 26 years. Boom. He can do maths, everyone. (laughs) He's not just a pretty face. Cohen's face is dropping. Cohen's regretting those beers that he had at the pub before. (laughs) It wasn't us this time. It wasn't us, but Cohen came in real hot, (laughs) full energy, and now it's starting to droop. Don't, Don't mark this. This is staying in. We love you, <laughs> You do whatever you want. Uh, a- anyway, yeah. And a whole lot of continuity in those 26 years. Just like a staggering amount. <laughs> Probably too much. Enough that there's now 16 million um, mutants living on Genosha. Yeah, you know Genosha? Yeah, I think it's in the movies. Wait, is it? Is that the place from Star Wars? No. That's, uh, that's um, uh, gen- <laughs> Genosis. That's Genosis. Genosis. <laughs> That's the battle where... Glad that, that you knew that. That is the planet where the first battle of the clones happens, guys. All right? Yeah, that's that's next episode. And that's in Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Okay. Good You're welcome. <laughs> a bad movie. Everyone trying to reclaim that movie at the moment. It's a bad movie. No. It's just... It's one of those things that I've got such a soft spot for because it was so fundamental in my younger years that it's like one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, no, no, bad. But your brain... My brain's like... But also... You, you love this shit. You love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just saying it's bad to look smart in front of your smart friends. And I'm like, damn it, damn it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh... Fuck. Sorry for doing <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. But New X-Men. New X-Men. Dan um, Morrison. This is the... I As much as we've had 26 years of deep, deep, too much continuity... This is like the biggest relaunch since Giant Size X Men. Yeah, since in in that time we've had multiple universes and like different timelines. Yeah, and those so many in, teams, so many teams. We've had the '90s, which were just a brutal time for X Men in particular. I know I say that about all the comics, but like X Men in particular had a fairly crushing um, editorial 90s. mandate. Was rough. Because they were the money makers. But also they were... Is that when um, Leefield took over X-Men at some point? Didn't he? Yeah. He did something. X-Force. That's right. He did X-Force. And it's good. Was it? Yep. Can't draw feet. Um, (laughs) It's right. Doesn't need to. (laughs) Yeah, you do. If you're an artist, you gotta draw feet. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about it. No, it's all good. Anyway. Uh, New X-Men. Yeah. So Marvel knew that they had this movie coming out. Mm. Brian Singer's movie. We're not going to get into him. But like, <laughs> but the whole thing with the movie is that it was a it was a trimmed down roster. It's like a strike force superhero team as well. Fuck, that's the best way I've ever heard it put. Like, that's a perfect ex- analogy of what of, of how to Singer's how X-Men. to describe that. Because like you you my go to is just like yeah the superheroes but they're in like leather and so I don't really know they're strike force. Yeah. Um. Well done. Thank, Thank you, you for that. No worries. Um. But that meant the X-Men comics... They had to reflect it. Had to reflect it, because cross-promotion and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think when the... 
X X Men One was it? It was ninety nine, right? What X Men One? Yeah, no, two thousand one. Was it? Well, the- Colin, can you Google that, please? Thank you. I don't know. I genuinely I'm don't know. Who's sure right. It's two thousand one. Um, but the comics prior to uh New X Men. If you watch the movie and you're like, I'm gonna go read some X Men comics, you would be like, What is this? What is this nonsense? <laughs> this is like, ridiculous. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, X X Men One movie. Jesus, two thousand. Oh, it was two thousand. Yes. In, in between both of us. So that means that my three movies was Star Wars in '99, X Men in 2000, Spider Man 2001. Yeah, they were the three movies that I saw at the cinema. Anyway. Nice. Um, this episode is off the rails. <laughs> it derailed. Um, but yeah, so that it's like a, a, a thematic redesign and a visual redesign. Yeah. Uh, where... Do you want to give the background or... You seem like you're primed and ready to go. Am I? To give the background. Um, like leading... What what this comic... Do you, do you want to just do a plot plot rundown? Let's do a plot rundown. Okay. So... Another kind of fairly simple. This this arc is this opening arc is called E for Extinction, mm. and in it, we've it, seen, it is pretty straightforward. It's extremely straightforward, but there's a little bit more to kind of chew on. Yeah. In terms of, again, now that we've got this, we've got 26 years of continuity that Morrison's able to kind of be like, yes, no, yes, yeah. no. <laughs> um, Magneto, not yet, not yet. It's on though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the comic opens with. Um, Professor X, Gene, and Hank, who is now turned into a feline. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's my his... favorite beast. That's your favorite beast. Yeah, I, I, I remember we argued about this the other day, and I stood firm on kind of ape beast being my favorite. But then reading this again, he's good. It's really fun. Yeah, he's like, like kind of cat. He's like a big verging lion. on like queer vibes, but he's like kind of just quirky old professor who looks like a lion man. Yeah. Yeah. With, with little glasses with that blue sit blue. on his nose like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're experimenting in Cerebra, which is yeah. Professor X's Cerebro well, upgrade. The si- the big sister, the big he literally sister. calls. Yeah. yeah. Cerebro's big sister. But the comic actually starts off on oh, the page sorry. of uh, Cyclops and Wolverine. Attacking a sentinel. Attacking a sentinel. <laughs> where Cyclops is standing to the side with his hands on his hips looking very serious and Wolverine is just going ham into the sentinel. And Cyclops says, That's you can probably point. stop doing that now, Logan. Yeah. Which is a perfect summation of their relationship. Absolutely. It's just, it's similar to the giant size and it's just like, great, bang, in, let's yeah. go. Um, and then Professor X and Jean discover... Another new mutant signature. So this is basically the same kind it, of it, opening as as Giant Size. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually didn't realize those comparisons. There was a there's a mutant signature coming from um, Ecuador. Yeah, and so they redirect uh, Scott and Logan. Logan, who have been in Australia rescuing Pigface. Pigface, <laughs> who is a, an Australian mutant. He's another has, visible mutant like Nightcrawler, yep, except three. Three faces. Three faces. On one face. On one face. And he's ugly, and they make plenty of jokes about it. He, 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 what he, he says his name is one thing, and then he's like, but my friends all call me Ugly John. And then Logan's like, Ugly Joe. It's Ugly, ugly Joe. Joe. <laughs> and then Logan's like, okay, <laughs> Ugly Joe. Yeah, yeah, he's like, good name. <laughs> good shit. Meanwhile, on Ecuador, a strange new villain named Cassandra Nova. Cassandra Nova is walking around with. Um, 
Mr. Trask, who is a Bolivar Trask's nephew. Bolivar Trask is the guy who created the Sentinel program in comic books. Sentinels are (laughs) a large robot designed intently to kill mutants. You know the big purple robots? Yeah, he does. Um, does. (laughs) Give him some credit. So 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 Cassandra has kidnapped this Trask descendant. Who's a dentist. Who's a dentist. Taking him to Ecuador. And it's just chewing scenery. Absolutely chewing scenery. There's a great kind of like visual montage of um, uh, her discussing how... Homo sapiens killed Neanderthals. Yeah. And that Homo sapiens superior mutants are about to kill humans. Yeah. Um, and all this all this time, this Trask guy is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> He's um, like, I'm a dentist. Yeah, I'm a dentist. <laughs> and then... He literally says, I thought I was being taken to do black ops work on the, the president. president. <laughs> um, Good shit. Great shit. And then... What? Oh, no, it is Ugly John. It's Ugly John. Okay. Not Ugly Joe. You're all good. my own ego taking over. Um, We'll unpack that. Yeah, we'll unpack that later. (laughs) Then, kind of moving forward, turns out that um, she's got... Cassandra Nova has new sentinels that she needs Trask's uh, biology to... As a Trask. As a a Trask to kind of, like, unlock and launch. Because there's, like, a... You need to be a Trask to 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 do it. To do it. Um, Don't worry. Yeah, there's nothing that interesting. Yeah. And then basically, she launches a bunch of giant sentinels onto Genosha. onto Genosha, the island of mutants. Sixteen not, million mutants, not Genosis, <laughs> and Go kills ahead. and kills them all, and kills sixteen million. Sixteen million mutants, and then they capture calmly Cassandra. killed off screen. Yeah, in a really brutal, like, well, kind of depicted yeah moment of pure grief. Yeah. Um, and then. They capture Cassandra, they have a battle, and <laughs> Professor X shoots her four times. Yep. <laughs> with a gun that he has now, apparently. Because she's got, she's got like, a Wolverine healing factor. She's got a whole bunch. Like, she's got Wol- a Wolverine's, like, cl- stabbing her, and she's like, no, nah, it's not going to do it. There's, they talk in it about how she em- might Emma be... Frost snaps her neck. Yeah. She she is she, Xavier's biological twin, but it's not referenced in this not story. Yet. That's 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 discovered later. But that she might be something other than mutant. That she might yeah. Be they discuss beyond that. beyond mutant. Yeah, like the next stage. Well, they they do the like the X Men movie speech. The like every thousand years, yeah. humanity takes a leap forward. Takes a leap forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that's it. So it's like again, it is a simple story, but it's like clearing the board. Absolutely, in that's, in a big way. Yeah, it's like. Whoa, you guys had 16 million plus mutants before? Now you don't. Yeah. So one thing that kind of comes up again and again in um, mutants and X-Men history is extinction level events. Yeah. There is always someone trying to wipe these motherfuckers off the board. And that's kind of the basis. The basis for a lot of their big stories is them kind of always having their backs against the wall. Yeah. And always having to fight it out at like at their fucking limit, last, basically the at last their last leg. Day. Yeah, that's but, like that's the Dark Phoenix saga, basically, where they're like, "Well, we have to kill Jean." Yeah, it's House of M. Yeah, it's everything, Phoenix. and that that's like kind of the three line. And and this comic also kind of as an entry point introduces readers to the core idea of humans versus mutants. Yeah. Well, that's what my kind of next thing I want to talk about is that what 
I think Morrison does so well um, is that they kind of, and especially with this run, they really zero in on what I was talking about before with this idea of like, why are X-Men so hated? hated? Hated and feared. Hated and feared. And they kind of like really get into the nitty gritty, like new X-Men is some of the first times that like, not only if we saw Kurt Wagner being kind of like the first physicalized mutant in terms of his actual mutant ability like that, Morrison is the first writer to be like, what if, Mutants were actually really scary looking. Yeah. Like, what but if they, they didn't have, like, cool physical they abilities. Cool powers. Yeah. They what if they just up. had three faces? Yeah. And, like, they present it in a way that actually makes it plausible that you're like, no, as a human species, like, as a human race, this is how we would react. Yeah. And we would do that. Yeah. And there's a really chilling bit where Cassandra Nova reads um, Trask's mind and says, like, I know you've dreamt about keeping... Yep. Keeping mutants in your basement, like yeah, and this is, and, but he was like the kind of every like this idea that there is this like kind of inert sickness and like complete hatred towards these mutants is really and like that's then I think what he, what Morrison does so well with the the decimation event is that it is cold, it is like kind of yeah, extremely unemotional yeah, it's just this number of mutants getting yeah lower and lower off the board. Yeah, it's like Genosha population, and it's just, like, yeah. trickling down as this big fucking robot. It's just, like, literally stomping through Genosha. So, I think, like, on that, I want to talk about um, Frank Quietly's art a Ooh. little bit. Frank Quietly is a... Pretty much, whenever Frank Quietly does comics, it's only with Grant Morrison as a writer, as a collaborator. Mm. I think Quietly's done some stuff in, like, the 90s on his own. And, and there's, like, has also done stuff with Mark Miller, but... But they're famously they work well together because they've got the kind of off kilter. Frank Wiley's art is like nothing that you like. It is the most kind of anti superhero art. Yeah, they're not big and muscular. They're distorted and kind of caricatured. Yeah, in a way, in a superhero way, in a superhero way. But like, I remember when I was young and stupid. And I first read this and I was like, what the fuck? Like, those don't look like superheroes. Yeah, you kind of, I'm like, I know from superheroes and this is not what they look like. <laughs> yeah. And now I read it, I'm like, Jesus, this is actually like, it's insane. This perfect combination of content and form. Like, yeah. it is vaguely grotesque in, in his kind of depictions, but also like, his layouts are so good. Juicy. They're so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And he does this thing at the beginning of every issue where he runs down the roster. Oh, yeah. In a little kind of title page where he talks. It's good. He, he just labels. Has a theme it. song, basically. It ba- yeah. it's, it's basically like opening credits. Yeah. And it's so good. And it's just like, it genuinely made me, because I, I, I went in being like, I know that I'm not a huge Frank Quietly fan. And then yeah. I reread it. Also, Rowan, guess when I read these comics? Today. Last night. Hey, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I read them last night and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is so good. Yeah. It's like, it's just perfect. It's it's hard to kind of, it makes me wish we were a visual medium right now that I could like show people, but. We will. We will. Um, it's, I remember reading in an interview as well that Frank quietly, and this makes me like hate him more, doesn't use like, reference models. He just pulls it straight out of his brain. And I'm like, right. oh, fuck you. Fuck you, man. 
but they're the that perfect... kind of shows as well. But they're the perfect kind of like because it is yeah. like hyper real forms. It's hyper real forms, and it's also hyper, like I said, characterized based on characteristics. Yeah, I Cyclops think... is slim and he's tall and he's got that kind of he, that clenched jaw and that kind of like. His visor is so narrow because, like, he's so tense and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, he's so much taller than Logan. And Logan's this yeah. short little thing. Who's I was just about to bring that up. And then, like, Professor X's head is sl- only slightly, like, more exaggerated. Yeah. He's got some good brows. He's got some great brows. But he's always had good... Like, he's, like, yeah, that's true. He's, he's able to take all this iconography and all this kind of, like, classic you know, depictions of the characters and just, like, fuck with them a little bit to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But, but without going so far in the opposite direction that you're like, I hate this. Yeah. Well, and, and that kind of makes sense with the redesign of Beast as a cat as well. Mm. Like, it's much more kind of in line with Hank... P- oh, sorry. Hank McCoy. McCoy. Hank McCoy's character as this kind of studious, but, like, a little bit fun, like, kind of character. Yeah, it, do- it totally makes sense that he's a cat. Yeah. Totally. Um, but, yeah, and I guess, like, what else? Oh, there was other things. Let me just... Really oh. quick, let me check my notes. So, I, 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 I remember I kind of gave you this as the, like, preview discussion before the episode. Mm-hmm. But Emma Frost is a real big player in this. You might yeah. have seen her played in the movies by January Jones. Yeah. Terrible performance. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in X-Men First Class. Probably the most wooden performance that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, but uh, Emma Frost had been introduced around, like, the 80s in X-Men, but was always characterised as a villain. By the if, Hellfire Club. In, yeah, in the, the Bondage Club. Yeah, she's the White Queen. Isn't yeah, she? yeah. Yeah. Um, and if not a villain, then kind of just, like, horrible. Yeah. But in this, Morrison kind of elevates her to this, oh, like, Lady Gaga-esque, like, cutting, but just absolutely fun, like, queen personality, and we simply must stand. And the first kind of, we simply must, um, <laughs> and the first look into this idea of secondary mutation. Yeah, that's true. So, during the crisis well, that- on Genos, on, fuck, Genosha. Genosha. <laughs> And, and that's what, what cat, cat Beast. Fuck you, Cohen. <laughs> cat Beast is a secondary mutation. Yeah. They discuss so, that. And um, she turns into Diamond. Yeah. In the first, that's her first, it's a reaction. She, she survives it because she's hard as a diamond. Yeah. So she's, her, <laughs> her initial mutation is just like t- is, telepathy. Is t- telepath, yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah. But then that's kind of the like the trauma that she has to move past. All her students have been blown up in Genosha. In front of her. In front of her. Yeah. And she was able to turn into a diamond and survive it. And you, you kind of see this a lot in the third issue where they're all trying to cope with this trauma the best way they can. Yeah. Hank's like, got his gallows humour. Yeah. Yeah, Hank, like, the issue literally opens with Hank in, like, a Hamlet pose with a skull. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> but it's, but also, like, it's this perfect little, like, little thing that quietly does. The skeleton is not, like, a human skeleton. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's a mutant skeleton with, like, I think its legs are up and, like, it's all this... You look at it and you're like, that's so good. It's, it's and Hank little sa- things. Hank says that... your dating days are over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my friend. But it's it's so, like... 
when I, I read that page initially, I was like, oh man, this is like, this is dated. But then the next page, they're like, yeah, we're just trying to cope because 16 million people died here. Totally. But I also think it's so much about, like, it's this perfect characterization of a group who have known nothing but... Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So this idea that, like, yes, this is just another day. Yeah. That, like, they don't... Like, it's not three issues of grieving. It's like, no, this... (laughs) For the X-Men, this shit happens constantly. Yeah. It's this great kind of example of how how people can... um, compartmentalize and move on it's like it's very good it's so good and it's so it this run of morrison's exists in this kind of little vacuum of so like we were talking before at the same time that morrison's doing this run chuck austin (laughs) is over on uncanny x-men just basically throwing sticks of dynamite everywhere and blowing shit up yeah just de- like it's basically like they just let it they they left him in the playpen and the, they were not taking any notice of him I like don't look you could read chuck austin's run but you could also read grant morrison's run yeah exactly like this focus was so much here but then also like this run is the most kind of i think thematically and artistically defined at, like as a as a as an like a single thing mm. because after this we go into joss whedon's astonishing x-men run yeah which is another a completely it's like the argument you and I had was whether or not we do new X-Men or astonishing X-Men mm. because they're both these perfect little entry points but whereas astonishing X-Men is this kind of back to basics kind of like back to like giant size kind of yeah but like so the the moment that I realized like the 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 difference between the two is that um what, you, can, you can you can have new X Men without astonishing, but you can't have astonishing X Men without new X Men. No, think. oh well, and no, absolutely. And like in an interview, Joss Whedon said, like, oh yeah, there was no. He's he's he went in thinking that he was going to continue new. Yeah. But then they were like, no, it's astonishing now. Yeah. And he was like, okay, but I'm still going to use the roster that like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thematically though, in this. There's a, um, in the first issue when they're talking about the new redesign, they're talking about, and then Hank says, yeah, I don't know why you always tried to make us superheroes. Yeah. Um, and it's this interesting kind of thing of like, like you're talking about like them as a culture, them as kind of like defenders of their people. Yeah. And a strike kind of military for like militaristic. Yeah. And then in Astonishing, they do a complete 180 and they put them back in the suits in a very pointed way. Where they're like, we need to be superheroes. We need to be superheroes because we need to, like, we need to get public standing back. Mm. And there's so much that you can mirror and read into, like, X Men's position within the Marvel kind of stable and how they're kind of going within the thing. (laughs) Sorry. I just looked at Cohen and he basically falling asleep. No, it was so good. I'm sorry. I just caught your eye as I was going on my big, long, like, where Marvel, you know, I'm sorry, Cohen, the last time I'll do that, I promise. Um, <laughs> but no, there's so much there to read into, like, like you know, we have always talked about how um, that Marvel will take X-Men out of rotation mm. at times when they, like, before, before they, like, remember they pushed Inhumans so much because they knew that, like, they owned Inhumans, they didn't own Marvel, they didn't own X-Men. Yeah. In terms of, like, film and TV rights. Yep. You know, like, there's all that kind of, like, all of that stuff impacts 
story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the kind of politics of it. Yeah. Like, of, of the corporation, like of Disney and stuff. And that's just why I think, like, Morrison's X-Men run is so complete. And it's so kind of what? Yeah. definitive and you can just kind of, it, you know, it's hard, it, you know, you you talked about Claremont's seventeen year run. Yeah, there are ele- there are stories in that, but it's all part of this one big long thing. And then Morrison's is just kind of this like perfect little object. Yeah, that has just as much influence on like modern storytelling. Totally, and, and it is interesting because like in terms of a broader context, two thousand one. This is coming just off the end of the comics code, where comics had to be you know, like, written for children, basically, mm. specifically for children almost, but before Disney acquisition. So it's this kind of weird little blank spot in Marvel history where they could kind of do whatever they wanted, mm. and it shows. Yeah. They go a little... They, they killed 16 million mutants. Yeah. And then they created all these mutants that were yeah frightening. Yeah. And and it's it's... I think this is why it works so well as an entry point, because it's such a, like, it's Grant Morrison picking up the franchise... Like literally, like uprooting it and then positioning, positioning, ugh, positioning it another way, and then putting it back down and being like, "No, you're going this way now." I agree with that. My argument that this is not a very good entry point is that it has this kind of extremely definitive beginning and end. Mm. Like that, it like it is an entry point, but it's also a singular object. And my argument for um, that astonishing is more of a an entry point is that it kind of like it you know it keeps it going it has its kind of run into the next it yeah. feels like a more like there's no way like and i get like this is this is the power to their storytelling and that like their incredible uniqueness you can't run off a morrison arc yeah batman had so much trouble doing it because morrison is so um individual yeah that it's really like whatever they set up and whatever they kind of like create in that story like there's just no way to kind of be like smoothly run out of it i think i moved away from my mic i'm sorry no um i think i kind of overall i agree in terms of morrison's work but i think i disagree because the end of this story is charles xavier announcing to the world that he's a mutant and the xavier school is full of mutants which is the biggest, like, okay, what happens next? Yeah. That's true. Okay. I think this is an agree to disagree thing. But, like, <laughs> but I think that, like, the thing we do agree on is that it's a great comic. Yeah. That it's so much fun. It's so good. And it's so weird. And, like, it's both... Because I think you and I have argued about Morrison, like, the most... Mm. In... Me, me, a staunch Morrison defender. Yeah. And me... N- not so much, but like, this is their most weirdly enough some of their most accessible. Yeah, work. I would agree with that because like their Batman run is tough. Like it is a it is a tough read. Mm. Whereas this, as we kind of break it down, is quite a simple. And yeah, the run keeps going and it gets fucking weird as hell. Yeah, but this, you know, as a point, like you said, like as we're talking about, like a point for new readers, pretty good, pretty I- like. Yeah. Pretty nice. One thing that I just realized is that for in Giant Size, for a bunch of characters that um, are brand new, my God, what good names they have. Yeah. Colossus, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler is Storm, such a good name. Like, 
Yeah. <sighs> Imagine being the one that's like, yeah, this character's named Nightcrawl, and everyone's like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> guess I'll just quit. <laughs> What do you want us to do with <laughs> yeah. that? Like, that's too good. Yeah. And then, like, I think it must be genuinely the hardest thing about being a comic book writer now is that if you create a new character, you're like, that's the, great. All the good ones are taken. All the good names are taken. <laughs> they've al- Sorry, they've already used Nightcrawler. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the only thing I had to add is the dialogue in the in New X-Men in Morrison's run is... So fucking good. It's perfect. It's perfect. And it kind of adds to, like, all the comics we've talked about in the past that were from this era. You can kind of tell they're from... Yeah, you can kind of tell that they're from this era. This is, like, timeless. No, it's got a kind of 2001 vibe in, in a way, but, like, it just, like, I think Morrison is too smart yeah. for that. Like, yeah. They know what they're, they, they've always known what they're doing. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, There's a one, one panel that I'm looking at uh, in which Emma has first assumed her, not a fir- first assumed her diamond form, but is in her diamond form. And Jean Grey says to her, what makes you such a bitch, Emma? And Emma says, breeding, darling. Top class breeding. Is that your panel? No, no, oh, no. My. I have a bunch. My. Your giant size? My giant size, I think you'll really enjoy, is this one of Krakoa. <laughs> Hell who, yeah. Um, can, you Krako- explain, can you explain to me what, what the deal with Krakoa is again? Uh, are you talking about Krakoa, the mutant island that uh, walks like a man? Yes, that's, yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. Um, so in it, this is one of Krakoa's. Uh, he's shooting light beam, laser beams from his eyes. And he says, but the time for explanations is past, which I just look like that's so perfect little um, kind of 70s comic. Oh, it, it's campy. It's campy. But and like, I love but it's the, good. And it's that kind of like comics thing of it's so purple. Like earlier in this comic, when com- when Kurt's about to get swooped by a giant eagle, mm. the line he says is, oh, no, his talons will get me. <laughs> and because like they're always so like they're. It always feel like they're kind of like scared that it's a static image. So yeah. Like we have to kind of convey, you know, like threat. What's and, gonna happen? And, and like, yeah, the possibility of danger through like, oh no, that thing's gonna crush me. Like <laughs> this is going to happen to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the next panel is them avoiding it. So that's yeah. Um. So that's my that one. And I think I've got three different ones for my. Um, Would you want me to while you're deciding? I'll do. No, my... I've decided. Okay. I've decided, and it's a bit of a different one. For me, was well, actually very like me, but it's this one here. It's in New X Men. Oh, that yeah, that is some good shit. And it's also like this is extremely my shit. It's in New X Men at the end. And this when- has been seeded a lot in the run where they're like, Scott and Jean, do you have problems with your relationship? Yeah. And it's Jean saying, "Tell me what's wrong." And Scott, in this perfect piece of line, just says, uh, "I can't make it feel like it used to. It's not." What's the point of it all coming out ra- wrong? Read my mind, Jean. And she says no. And I'm just like, and it's just, it's that soap opera that we're talking about. Yeah, but and that like watching actually- TV in bed as well. But yeah. but Scott's not in He's bed, standing up with his arms crossed. But it's that perfect kind of soap opera of like, but it's it's a little more emotional, a little more human with mm. Morrison than it is with um, Wayne, just because it's like he's able. Sorry, they they're able to kind of like actually dig in a little deeper into the emotional truth of, of, of who these characters are, not like... Yeah, 
rather than kind of code, coding it broad. Without these like super over the top super operatics, it's just like cutting lines. Yeah, it's so good, and it's yeah, it's like I th- we've we're given the explanation of what compression versus decompression is. Yeah, yeah. So this is like a good example of kind of slightly decompressed story. Like yeah, they've allowed a page of Gene and Gene and Scott to um, you know, sit with it. Like yeah, that's true. They've allowed, like, just a tiny bit of space, a little bit of breathing room. Yeah. And then they're going to go back into it. Like, And was- actually, to kind of build off that, that's something that you're li- less likely to get nowadays because comics are more likely to be cancelled at the, like, 10-issue mark. Yeah. So you don't have that much real estate in theory. Whereas at this point, Morrison, Morrison probably knew that they were going to be writing, like, 40 issues. So they mm. were like, yeah, I'll just gently seed this at the start of the run. Totally. Unless you're, unless you're on a major title. Yeah. Like, unless you're on one of the main kind of flagship titles, yeah, you're not getting more than 12 issues. Yeah, exactly. All right, what do you got? All right. <laughs> so, my giant size panel is uh, building off my kind of underlying love of Sunfire. It's uh, this panel of Scott talking to Sunfire. Uh, as has been the running gag in uh, episodes of late, I will try to do an accent. I will read it out. You're trying to do a Sunfire accent? No. I won't do the Sunfire one. Thank you. <laughs> I was about to be like, cancel. <laughs> I will do a Scott accent. I'll do that kind of broadly across it a bit. Yeah. Uh, Scott says, and this is when I think Sunfire is first leaving the team. And Scott says, I don't understand, Sunfire. We offer you a chance to help your fellow mutants. And, and Sunfire says, I do not even like my fellow mutants, Cyclop. <laughs> I will certainly not risk my life to help them. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. That's just good. And that's a perfect Sunfire that's panel. Good stuff. Sunfire, underappreciated. Yep. Uh, and then my other panel is another goof. <laughs> it's uh, after uh, Charles Xavier has shot Cassandra Nova four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all kind of standing there. The rest of the cast kind of shocked. I think I know the one. I was going to do this one. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Emma stands there in a diamond form, going, May our dry cleaners forever forgive you, Charles, dear. May God award you a medal for your uninhibited marksmanship. And Wolverine's just standing there with his shirt off, says, Hardcore Chuck. <laughs> good shit. Good uh, shit, it's good shit, it's, it's all good shit. shit. It's all good shit. Uh, uh, so, where, where, do you, where do you fall? Oh, it's New X-Men all the way. Yeah? Absolutely. It's like, I think... I can totally, like, like I said, giant, like I, like I said about a thousand times this episode, giant size is this perfect little, like, kind of platter of, like, here's where you now go. Mm. But, like, New X-Men is just this, it, it's kind of a lot of what I love about modern comics. Yeah. In that it's, like, beginning to kind of play with, like, what can we actually do with this? Like, is there a way that we can really dig into um, something here? Like, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think I have to land on that. But I was kind of really wrestling it with, with it this afternoon because the, like, real estate of introducing so many characters in Giant Size X-Men is uncanny. Hey, uncanny X-Men. Correct. Um, yeah, and just the way that it kind of launches everything and it has all those themes there from the beginning. So it's really it was really tight for me, but I do have to say it, probably because of my Morrison love. That nice. it goes down to New nice. X-Men, 
just yeah, it's all there, and it has all of that that giant size has plus the underlying humans versus mutants. Yeah, and the dialogue is good, and Emma Frost is kind of checks all the boxes. Honestly, work. Yeah, bitch. Oh. Well, that's it. We did it. We did. A, we did an X Men one. That's uh, that's the end of the miniseries. Yes. Let's announce the next miniseries. It is Comics Go Hollywood. Comics Go Hollywood with an asterisk. Some of Some them of are books. books. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be looking at. Some comic book adaptations of famous Hollywood uh, properties. Yeah. Um, starting with a franchise that has been mentioned a couple of times this episode. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite franchise of all time. Oh. Star Wars. Star Wars. Da 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 da. the Star Wars. Genesis. Because we just felt there actually wasn't enough. <laughs> discourse about Star Wars at the moment. Yeah, especially at the moment, I think there is... Uh, I think it's pretty chill and definitely not um, hugely toxic. Yeah, I think that the fan was pretty good and they're just not racist about casting at all. No, no, Rowan, it's not about... <laughs> Rowan, it's not a racist thing, it's a writing thing. So true, um, so true, so my just, brother in Christ. <laughs> we are being hugely facetious, by the way. Star Wars fans are notoriously... The worst. Toxic and worst. And I'm I kind of am putting myself in that like a little bit. Like I'm I'm a bad Star Wars fan. I'm a bad Star Wars fan. But yeah, we're gonna talk about Star Wars. So we're gonna talk about um the kind of old Dark Horse Pre Disney ownership. Pre Disney owned um what is now kind of entitled Legends Mm -hmm. and some more incontinuity Marvel stuff. Post um post Disney acquisition, so post sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, so it should be really fun. It should be a good way to kind of get into kind of the meat and bones of... We get to talk about Star Wars for a couple of hours, which should be fun. I just think it'll be really... A couple of hours? A couple of hours, yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All oh, right. We're going to dig into some Star Wars. Damn, okay. No, because you know what's going to be so much fun is you and I are both Last Jedi Apologists. Fans. No, where well, there's no need to apologize for that movie because <laughs> it's perfect. So True. Yeah. You hold that badge of honor. I do. And it'll just be us talking about how good that movie is. For two. And you know what the best thing is? What? No one will argue with us. No. <laughs> Cohen doesn't care. Cohen actually cares a little bit. Do you, are, you, are you Star Wars? Yes! We're going to get Cohen involved. Yeah, baby. All right. But that's going to be our next mini series. Thank you so much for listening to these last six episodes. Thank our you. Our Origins and Entry Points mini series. This Thank has been you. a lot of fun. Thank you, Cohen for producing this show and for helping us and for getting it out there. Um, my personal thank you to Rowan for doing the heavy lifting on a lot of the stuff to get this ready. I'm a lazy sack of shit. No, I'm just very busy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so thank you to you guys. I really appreciate you both so much. Um, and thank you to our listeners. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Joe, for putting up with my nonsense. Thank oh, you, Cohen. I love you forever. Um, check out our socials. I don't know what the Twitter what? at pressing pod, Instagram at pressing issues podcast. Um, I guess if you really want, you can check out my Twitter at Rowan K Grover. Also my Instagram. I stalk your Twitter sometimes, and it's funny. It's really funny stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a burden. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can't, uh, we're, end it there. We're done. And, All and right. We're, we're, we're back. We're, we're back at the point for people who only listen for the theme song. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> You're welcome. Here Goodbye, we go. Bye. Bye. We love you. You're still here? You must be a real one. You know what real ones know. They know that when this after credits is done, Patreon is coming. Hey, what are you doing? No!